glad to be here with you all again. Uh, I'll be honest, so I'm a bit of an introvert. So hearing all about yesterday and thinking about Rick and Molly being there, having all kinds of small talk, an entire day of it, I'm tired for them. Uh, <laughs> uh, very glad to be here with you all. We're going to be looking uh, very generally at the reading from Zephaniah, from the prophet Zephaniah, but more using it as an indication of what we are doing in the season of Advent rather than doing full justice to the text as it stands. Now, that's very hard for me because I love the prophets. Some of you know this about me. I love the prophets. So it's kind of hard for me to just kind of, okay, we're going to just look at it very generally. But that's what we're going to do. It seemed uh, more important to remind us uh, that what we're celebrating in Advent is not actually the coming of Christmas. That's going to be my argument. I always struggle a bit this time of year, and when I say this time of year, I mean, of course, the season, the Christmas season, you know, Black Friday through December 25th. Uh, I was realizing it again this year that I actually do struggle with this, uh, that season, and have had a lot of good conversations with my wife about it. Uh, It's a consumerist calendar that we follow culturally, and I'm not saying that to dismiss it or to demean it, just to let what's true be true. It's a consumerist calendar, and the season lasts and represents, lasts from that Black Friday to the Christmas morning, and I think what it represents is a full-hearted pursuit of happiness. That's what's happening in that season. It's a real full-hearted pursuit of happiness. We just have relatively little self-reflection on it. And I struggle with the season because I, I feel that impulse. And some of that is my own stories and my own proclivities. And my wife doesn't feel it the way I do. And that's why we have good conversations. But I feel the promises of happiness and of safety if you buy the right things or get the right things, have the right things, enjoy the right moments in all of this. I wish I didn't feel it the way that I do, but I do. And I have to try to navigate my way in the season with that. This full-hearted pursuit of happiness through buying stuff and having the right moment, having Christmas morning be just right, I think it demonstrates something of how desperately our culture, we, when I say our culture, I mean like our, (laughs) we, how desperately we, we feel a need for safety, for peace, and those as building blocks of the nature of joy. You can't have joy without some sense of peace, of safety, in some degree. We have commercial after commercial of these cozy homes, right? And all this imagery of safety, because they're walls with cold outside and it's warm inside, a glow of a fireplace. That's, it's an archetype. It's, it's safety that's being put in front of us. The families are all there together. They're smiling. Maybe around a meal or a fireplace or a new car or whatever it might be, or all opening gifts and everybody happy about what they got. Oh, can you actually hear me now? Should I start over? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) 
and everyone happy because the moment is just right. And it's the family. And all of these archetypes and the marketers, they know it's the safety and peace and the joy that comes once you have those in place. No one shoots commercials trying to get you to buy something about all the chaos around the events of Christmas unless they're poking some fun at it. They don't talk about how hard it is to be with family sometimes. So now buy our turkey. <laughs> how so many people cannot be with their children. We might have a commercial that begins at that point. But it has to resolve, right? That's the way the genre works. It has to resolve. The kids have to get to the hospital to be with the sick parent who couldn't be there at Christmas and now we're okay with the world. Or they have to Skype in with their soldier dad who's off, and now we feel better about Christmas. There has to be some kind of resolution because nobody wants to sell you something by painting a miserable day <laughs> or painting the pain that surrounds it. In other words, the desperation with which we pursue a version of happiness and peace, actual happiness and peace during the Advent shopping season demonstrates something of how broken the world is and how we feel that. We feel that reality. We're trying to address something <laughs> that's deeply flawed about our experience in the world. And we give our whole selves as a culture to trying to do that for all of these four weeks plus before Christmas. We're not, sorry, Advent is not just trying to paper over things, it's trying to find some way through chaos and darkness and the bleakness that we feel in the world. Because we do feel that, not all the time, but much of the time. We know the darkness. And in the Christian church, we know the darkness too. We're living in the same world as everybody else is living in. We don't put on rose-colored glasses and now try to live, call ourselves Pollyanna, and go through as the church. Advent, and the season of Advent in the church, is not trying to cover over the darkness with shopping, or sentimentality, or just wishful thinking. And part of that is because at root, in the tradition of the church, it's not about celebrating the advent of Christmas. That's not what this season is. I want you to imagine for a moment what it would take to have a world that lived in peace. Not just a truce where for a few minutes people stopped shooting each other. That would be great. <laughs> imagine what it would be just to get to there. But I mean a world that actually is what we see in these commercials. The thing we long to see. And that's why they put them in. Because they know, and it's a good thing to long to see that. What would it take to actually get us there? This darkness, the stain, right, of violence and hatred and greed and pride. Putting ourselves before others. It's all over the place. We scrub to try to get that kind of stain out, and we scrub, and we scrub, and we scrub, 
and we wash it with our sweat and our tears. We march, we demand change, we get laws, try to get our people voted in, try to do this and that, and we can't get it clean. We can't. There are still so many murders, still injustice, still so much abuse, still war, still lies, still greed, still hate. And that's our world. That's not the only thing in the world. But that is our world. There are a lot of people urging us to have, in the words of one Nobel Peace Prize winner, a fundamental faith in human progress. And that's where we turn when we, get, when we are faced with the bleakness of the world. A belief that we are getting better and will, getting better, will get better, all evidence to the contrary be damned. Because there just isn't that evidence. I don't see it in the least. Unless we make the fallacy of thinking technological advance is human progress. And I don't think that's in any way true. There are some things we do better. There are some who enjoy more justice than they did a generation ago, two generations ago, ten generations ago. And some who enjoy less. We end up patting ourselves on the back because you know, our national murder rate dropped 2% a few years back. I mean, our scrubbing is paying off, right? Though it rose that 2% again this year. Or juvenile crime. It's somewhere now back to what it was in 1980. Statistics tell us that. We happily ignore that between 1954 and 74, it rose 11,000%. And we're nowhere near the lows of 1974. We could talk in all these ways. We could talk about domestic abuse and what that looks like now. We could talk about addictions. Some statistics talk about one in five Americans are unrecovering addicts. We could talk about loneliness, isolation, divorce, betrayals. On and on we could go. And these are icebergs of a a symptom. And these are what we bring into the Advent season. We bring this stuff into it. And I think that's why there's so much desperation, a full-hearted pursuit of happiness this time of year. Because we know these things. We feel these things. They're what we try to resolve. Or if we can't resolve, at least forget. Or set some kind of example so maybe our world can get beyond all these things finally, as we want to do. Christmas becomes this this high point, a celebration with friends and family that we work so hard to make perfect, to have in that moment at least some little carved out niche of peace and happiness in the world. As a nation, we invest so much in gifts, in time, travel. All those advertisements play in our minds. We place so much on that moment of Christmas morning coming, being the moment of happiness finally. And sometimes it is. It feels that. 
Other years it doesn't. I have a friend whose husband left her a few years back for another woman, betrayed his vows and her. Their kids are with him this Christmas across the country. The kids might enjoy their gifts. I mean, who doesn't? But they will feel the loss of their mother. And all that we put on Christmas morning is only going to make her feel it that much more keenly. How many, how many are in just that kind of situation? I have two other friends whose mothers have died during Advent this year already. And some of you know the Bixby family uh, from Church of the Cross. Brenda Bixby lost her father this morning. Christmas is marked by that reality this year for them by the reality of death, by the reality of who is not there at the table. (laughs) The gifts already purchased, but don't get opened. I have another friend who just got sent back to prison, leaving his wife to celebrate Christmas alone this year again. And all the sadness and anger and betrayal that's felt in that. And then there are even the wonderful years that we have where we actually get along with our family. (laughs) The food actually turns out, which is great. The gifts are both within budget and just what the person wanted. Hard combination. Even those years, there's the reality of then what? Of December 26th coming. Part of why facing January can be such a depressing reality is the weather, but part of it is because there is so much being invested in this one day and we get there and then what? It's not a unique observation. This is something that's talked about and the realities of depression in the post-Christmas season, so-called. But the problem is we're celebrating the wrong thing. The Advent season is not in the church's practice, historic practice, is not the advent of Christmas. That's not what the the full name, the proper name of the season. The celebration of the coming of that day and all that it's supposed to be, it, it can't hold what we place on its back. Christmas morning cannot hold what we put on its back. We want so much to be happy to be safe, to have peace on earth. We want those things. And the new year begins, and we're all reminded that Christmas just flew by this year, and we're right back to where we were. We've treated the day of Christmas as if it could hold our hopes and longings for happiness, and it cannot. I never really understood when I was growing up the season of Advent. Advent, of course, I knew that the word, because I was told, that the word Advent meant coming. Well, that's good. Uh, So we celebrate the season of coming. But it was, uh, even into the start of my theological training, I didn't understand the notion of the season. I wasn't, I didn't grow up in a church context that made anything of it, at least formally. What we did instead was just more or less singing Christmas hymns for the four Sundays up until Christmas Day because there's a lot of really great ones and it's hard to squeeze them in just on Christmas Day. So you start early and you might as well start when this Advent thing begins. 
The advent of Christmas is being celebrated there. Rather than 12 days of Christmas starting on December 25, it was four weeks of pre-Christmas, all wrapped up and done by December 26th, a new form of church calendar. Advent was entirely consumed with preparing and anticipating the one day of Christmas. It was the advent of Christmas. And in that light, it made no sense to me that it was a season of penitence. Why would you have purple, like Lent? I remember, it's a little embarrassing, but I'm going to say it because it's embarrassing. Uh, I remember arguing against purple in Lent when I was in seminary with a friend. How in the world do you think it should be a penitential season? We're talking about Jesus coming. It's true insofar as it goes. The problem was Advent was, in my head, the advent of Christmas. And the whole season was marked by that. As if its real proper name is Advent of Christmas, and it's not. The four Sundays of Advent in the medieval church were meant to mark what is called in theology the four last things. Death, judgment, heaven, hell. And it wasn't just this morbid piety. It demonstrated what they thought we needed help with as a church. To mark out, Advent's the beginning of the church year, to mark out where we start our pilgrimage, what we are looking for as a body and preparing for it. Because this season is not actually the advent of Christmas. It's the advent of God. And that's a big difference. As one writer puts it, God is the subject of the verb. <laughs> it makes a big difference here. The coming of Christmas cannot hold all the weight that we put onto it. We know that. We try anyway because we're really desperate and we really do want safety and peace and happiness. We try because we know our world needs peace. The problem is, in the words of W.H. Auden, poet, nothing can save us that is possible. And that's the problem. Nothing can save us that is possible. The coming of Christmas each year does not set the world right. I think we're aware of that by now. To set the world right, we need the coming of God. Which brings us back to Zephaniah. The whole book of Zephaniah we just read, had read to us the very last paragraph of the book of Zephaniah. Throughout the whole book, it's a short book, you're welcome to read it, it starts with my favorite opening I will utterly sweep away everything from the face of the earth. I've <laughs> always wanted to start a sermon like that. I mean, where do you go from there, <laughs> right? Uh, but the whole imagery of Zephaniah is what he calls the day of the Lord, which is the day of God's visitation, of him exerting his presence over the whole face of the earth. And there's two sides. What that does is it sweeps away all evil all violence, and those who give themselves over to it, all greed, all hatred, all cruelty, and those who will not give it up. And the other side of the same reality, not two acts, it's one act of God coming, exerting his presence, and it makes the world swept clean, 
and the people of God safe. So shout and rejoice, he says here. The part we read is the second half of that same reality of the presence of God. What's left is a world of peace. The King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. What is it like to never again fear evil for yourself or your children or your parents or this world? And just in case you miss it, it says the exact same thing again. Fear not, O Zion. The Lord your God is in your midst. The presence of God is what this world needs. Being exerted, his presence, his self over the whole of the earth. All of your enemies, all your oppressors are taken away and what is left is peace that is bringing everyone in, the lame. Those who can't get there on their own are gathered in. It is a deeper and wider picture of exactly the scene that's being painted in little images in these commercials. Don't dismiss the commercials. They're actually telling us something that we want, and we should look at them. But Zephaniah paints that picture over the whole face of the earth. He paints it as the advent of God in the world. The church's life in the world is the life of waiting for the advent of God. That's why the season of Advent marks the beginning of the church year. It is the great work of the church. Karl Barth, a theologian, once exclaimed in his book, what other time or season can or will the church ever have but that of Advent? This is the whole of its life put at the beginning of its year. We are in the season of the advent of God and preparing for that reality. The judgment of the world, a good thing. Justice being brought and peace coming from it. That's what we're asking when we say, come Lord Jesus. That's what we're waiting for in Advent. It's not actually the advent of Christmas. It's the advent of God. And it's a serious thing. That's why it's purple. Because preparing for God himself to be among us, to exert his presence fully, is a really serious thing. And all the glib things that surround us in this season, hope and peace turned into little jingles. (laughs) We're trying to be about very serious work in those same weeks. And it can be hard because the last four things seem very far away from people's minds. That's okay in one sense. Advent wasn't instituted for others. It was instituted for us to give ourselves to thinking about what it means for God himself to come. I hope you spend time imagining what that will be like for you, for your family. And facing into the realities of it, the seriousness of it, the terror and the hope and how they're the same thing sometimes. So that when Christmas Day comes, which is the start of a feast that lasts 12 days, 
We've not invested into Christmas morning as if it's a magical day and has to be a magical day because all of this world is so desperate. What we see when Christmas morning comes and we celebrate the feast of Christmas is our hope is not in vain. We're not just wishfully thinking that all will be set right. It is the advent of God for which we wait and we know God has come. And we know he will set the world right. Dr. King once declared, I refuse to accept despair as the final response to the ambiguities of history. I refuse to accept the idea that the isness of man's present condition makes him morally incapable of reaching up for the eternal oughtness that forever confronts him. I couldn't agree more. And what we need is to ground that refusal to accept despair in something far better than a faith in human progress, something far better than what is possible. We need the advent, not of Christmas. We need the advent of God. And then we can celebrate Christmas for what it is, because God has come, and God is coming. Come, Lord Jesus. going to stand and with the whole church recite our faith in the Nicene Creed.